You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, hey, didn't the worship team do an incredible job? Can we celebrate them? Thank you guys for serving again. This church is so talented, so many gifts and skills and abilities, and I think God's going to take this church a long ways. Uh, to Christ be the glory in the North Valley. Amen? Amen. Isn't that good? Well, hey, this morning, uh, Pastor Jonathan is going to be preaching this morning. He's a gifted communicator and leader, and we're so excited. Uh, This week, I've spent a lot of time actually facilitating a lot of work on our projects, on our property. Had a team of architects in and actually coordinated. We have a partnership with Arizona Correctional Facilities Community Inmate Program. That's a mouthful. And uh, they've been working on the land, and so uh, you can see this video behind me as it plays. Just you can see that, you know, by God's grace, guys, we've, on September 9-11, we closed on this property, and it was a former bar, an old wedding venue, and uh, it just really fell to ruins, and you guys gave sacrificially, served sacrificially, and we're pulling this property together, and let's pray a big prayer. Let's pray that within, I told you if we closed on the property and we hit our victory goal, it'd be 12 to 36 months. Let's pray that we can beat that and be in the property fully, 100% before our first year anniversary of owning the property. Amen? All right, let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, we pray in the name of Christ, release all all resources for the name and fame and the glory of Christ through this North Valley. Lord, we pray for a permanent place of worship. Give us favor with the city. Give us favor with resources, Lord. We pray that you would unlock everything, God, to move forward our family into a property that we can do weddings, that we can do baptisms, that we can do memorial services, that we can do worship services, that we can do baby dedications, Lord, and we can Fill this valley with the name and the fame and the glory of Jesus Christ, God. We pray on I-17, 91,000 people driving by every day, Lord, that they would see there's a church. Lord, it's coming. We pray that we would be there before September, Lord, of one year. Be a miracle. We pray for a miracle. In the name of Christ, everybody said, amen. All right, so we'll see. I hung it out there. We'll see what happens. And, and then I'm going to, if we don't make it, I'm going to say, I'm going to teach you how you trust God even when he doesn't answer your prayers the way you want him to. <clears throat> that happens. He can say no, and he's still good. And just like, you know, a dad to his kid, your kid asks, dad, can I go over to the friend's house? No. Why not? Because I said so. Trust me, you don't need to go over there. So, you know, we ask God to see what God's going to do. Hey, this morning, I want to encourage you, uh, what couple steps is... Uh, Man, we cannot let up on loving the world with the love of Jesus Christ. The kids that need us the most this ministry year are the orphan kids down in Dominican Republic. Please, 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 somebody go. Somebody go to the Dominican Republic. Change your plans and get on that plane and go serve those kids. We've got hundreds of kids down there that need help. Um, We did a hope offering raised over $27,000. We're going to plant 10 churches and unreached people groups in India. Let's celebrate that. We're going to send uh, our leadership, uh, some, my wife and Corey and some others, to the Dominican Republic, but that we need partners in ministry to go with us. So after service today, please, I beg you, 
I will take you to lunch for three Sundays in a row if you and your wife do this. Um, I'm going to be watching the kids. Some of you that got young kids, you're going to need to make a deal with each other and say, well, you're going to go, sweetie, and I'll watch the kids. Um, but we're, we're going to the Dominican Republic. I'm going to get on the phone and talk to the president of Vision Trust who's helping us into the DR, and I'm just telling them, this, watch out. This church is going to move in, and, and we're going to love people in the name of Jesus like you've never seen before. And so I, I'm asking you, please, I know we're excited about land, but we can't ever let up on the Great Commission. We can't do that. And people thought we were crazy when we raised $27,000 and gave 100% of it away to local and global missions when we could have used the money for the property. And I told them, I said, here's why we did that, because this church is always going to be committed to the Great Commission. And if we let our people think that everything's about the land, we're going to forfeit the great privilege and the greatest responsibility to share and show the love of Christ to the world. Amen? God will bless his church when we're committed to the great commandments and the great commission. Please, I plead with you, let's build a church that lasts 100 years that would be famous for their commitment to the great commandments, love God, love neighbor, and the great commission. Amen? Please go to that meeting. It's right after service, 1130 to 1230. Mission trip dates are July 23rd. You've got a card. Please go. All right, let me, let me pray. I'm going to invite Pastor Jonathan up. And uh, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for raising up leaders. Lord, thank you for raising up servant leaders to go, that are going to go today to, that, to, to the, attend that mission orientation over at Elevate Coffee at 1130 to 1230. Lord, to hear about the opportunity to engage and share and show the love of Christ to the kids who need it the most. Pray for Pastor Jonathan as he's preaching God, we pray that your spirit would descend upon this room, that we would illuminate the mind and the heart, and Lord, we'd conform more and more to the image of Christ through the preaching and the teaching of the word. We give great thanks for Jonathan and his ministry. In Christ's name, amen. Let's welcome Pastor Jonathan. Hey, buddy. Thanks. Hey, guys. Good to be with you this morning. Um, before you run out, Ryan, I just wanted to say, I think I know why I get to preach out of James chapter 2. If you have headings in your Bible, it's called sin. So bring in the guest guy. He gets to talk to you about sin. No, I'm just kidding. No, my privilege, Ryan has been spending a lot of time um, with a lot of different people, leaders this week to help position our church as we move forward. And so it's my privilege as his partner um, on this leadership team to uh, be the relief hitter, if you will, or relief pitcher would probably be the better true sports analogy, but I'm excited to be here with you guys, and we're continuing in the book of James, and in this series, we've been talking about 12 habits of holiness, and so what we're talking about is modeling your life so that it reflects genuine faith and what that looks like, and so James hits certain topics, specific topics, Um, so instead of just looking at the big picture of what it looks like for your life to line up with the gospel, he says, no, I'm going to dive deep into specific areas And we're going to wrestle through what that looks like. And so today, um, we're talking about uh, impartiality for us as believers. And so, um, here's what I want to do. I want to read us the whole chunk of scripture. We're in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab that. Find it. Uh, If you've got a smartphone or device, I encourage you, pull it up. The words will be on the screen as well. But here's what we're going to do. At North Valley, we love to show respect and honor to the Word of God. So, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to read this together. 
So again, I'm in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. We've got a chunk to work through today, but it's going to be amazing. So here we go. James chapter 2, starting in verse 1. James says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, Hey, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we're gathered here today. And God, it's no small task before us to read scripture and ask the question, what does this mean for my life? How does my life need to change in order to line up to what we're reading today? God, as we've already heard, help us be not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. So that as the word, the truth of your scripture hits our ears, would it travel down into the depths of our soul They're transforming us, that our behaviors, our thoughts, everything about us would be different. God, we can't do this on our own. We need your Holy Spirit. So Spirit, be with us today. Be merciful in our lives today, but be active that we leave changed people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a seat, friends. All right. So I was reminded of something this week as uh, some of the greatest life lessons come from your kids. So I'm sitting down with my uh, five-year-old daughter, Natalie, and she loves to color. And um, so I had this great idea. I wanted to reach back into my childhood and do something fun with her. So I, I brought out, printed up those connect the dots pictures. You remember the ones where dot number one and you find number two, three, four, and you trace it all the way around until what was once just some maybe random lines on a piece of paper begin to transform into this beautiful image that is crystal clear. There's something about as it transforms, do you realize what you're doing? The, the guidelines to make the picture beautiful and whole are what you're adding into it. So it starts maybe just a, a general image that you kind of get what it is by looking at it, especially as adults. As you add the guidelines, as the boundaries are drawn in, you see very clearly what the picture is. That's where we find ourselves in James today, friends. You can read this passage and within just a heartbeat, you kind of already get the, the big picture here. I mean, James 2, 1 says, do not show partiality. So I could wrap up here, close, we could be gone for the day. Maybe some of you want to. Lunch is, uh, lunch is just a few moments away, friends. No, but 
here's where the richness of what's going to happen today is we're going to connect the dots. James doesn't leave us just with this command of do not show partiality. He begins to draw in the boundaries, draw in the guidelines of life based on the scripture, based on the gospel message. And when those boundaries are drawn in, we see the true richness, the true depth of the truth that God has for us out of James chapter two. So that's what, I, that's what we're gonna do today. And here's, I'm gonna start off right off the bat. I'm not gonna, not gonna mince any words, friends. I'm gonna need you to hang in there with me. Because what James does is he allows the weight of this message to sit on our shoulders for a bit. And if you will engage with me, the same thing I believe will happen to you that happened to me as I began studying this passage is I got real uncomfortable. I got real uncomfortable. I wanted to shift. I wanted to get out from underneath the weight because it just, it didn't feel nice. And so for a few verses as we work through today, it's probably going to begin to be, feel a little bit oppressive for you. But hang in there with me because James doesn't leave us there. He brings the gospel to bear on this and we're going to end with, with great hope, Okay. Can we do that today? You can, you can respond. It's okay. You don't scare me. Um, you can raise a hand. No one's going to think, think you're a weirdo. We, we, can, uh, we can interact together today. So that's what we're going to do, okay? So I'm, uh, first, um, here's kind of how this is going to, uh, I'm going to run through today. Uh, if you look at your notes, you've just got three main points because that's what makes a great message, okay? So I went to seminary and that's what they said. If you've got four, you got to cut it. If you've got two, you got to add. You, three is a magic number. no. Um, here's what James does. James gives us um, what's going on. It's real simple. Um, do not show partiality, okay? But he doesn't leave us there. He, he dives into, into why. That, those are the guidelines that we're going to draw, and the connecting of the dots for us today is going to be the why. Um, and then uh, he gives us a better way. So that, that, it's real simple. We're going to talk about what, why, and a better way. Okay, so number one, what? It's real simple. Do not show partiality. But look at what James does. If, if, if you look at the scripture, he doesn't just uh, end with verse one. I'm actually going to dive, jump down. Look at verse 12 with me because what James does is he, he starts really specific, but then he broadens it so you start to understand the big picture. It would be like he starts with point number one and you get that, but if you haven't backed up to kind of see the big picture, um, he wants to give us that. So in verse 12, um, here's what James says. He says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Basically, as, as uh, Ryan talked last week at the end of chapter one, um, James talks to us about what is true religion, pure religion. Another way of saying it is what is genuine faith? And so James gives it to us. He says, basically, genuine faith is living like your faith matters. Living like what you believe influences how you act. And so throughout James, he's been very concerned with this action. Like your faith it needs to move beyond just something that you think about in your mind, some thoughts, some, some beliefs that you have in your mind. Those beliefs, if they're true, carry over into how you, how you model your life, how you live, how you behave, kind of how you structure your life. And so that's what James is saying here in verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. We'll come back to that judgment piece, but just... The main idea is live your life according to what you believe. He gets a little bit more narrow if you back up just a little bit to verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. So immediately James is giving us, here, here's what it's going to look like, friends. Love your neighbor as yourself. So those are the bigger picture to verse 1 where he starts with don't show partiality. That's great. That's a negative command. But you might be left asking yourself, what do, okay, so I don't do that, but what do I do? Um, so we say impartiality, but what does that really mean? 
James says, live according to your faith. Okay, but what does that look like? Okay, live um, as one who loves his neighbor as a self. Okay, now I'm starting to get that. Now, now I, do you, you guys follow with that too? Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, very, very specifically, if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, it means you cannot show partiality. Do you see how he starts general and then he backs it up into the very, very specific? Don't show partiality, but that negative isn't enough. We need to know what we should do, and it's love your neighbor as yourself. This is coming um, out of the words of Jesus, and we're going to explore that a little bit more. So number one, don't show partiality. That's easy. We get that. Now, did you catch what Ryan said up here as he was using the, the illustration of his kids? How many of you guys have either experienced this yourself or um, have heard this happen? A parent tells the kid, hey, do this. The kid says, why? Okay. As a parent, now you're faced with a, a, a really big problem because explaining why is always so difficult, isn't it? It gets into the final, like, okay, do you, how old are you? Are you going to understand or... I usually get to this point. I'm tired. I'm grumpy because I said so. <laughs> right? It's okay, parents. You don't, have to, you don't have to confess to that. I'll do it for you. Yeah, Ian's there. No, because I told you. The why is always such a difficult task. Understanding what we should do is really not that hard. We can read the Bible and we, it's pretty clear what we should do. The, the struggle always comes in is where our heart is wrestling to understand the why. Because if we don't understand the why, it's easier to kind of navigate ourselves out of the what. So I don't really have to conform to the what if I don't really fully understand the why. But once we understand the why, now we're kind of left without an excuse. And unfortunately, friends, this is where James takes us. So um, let's talk about why. Why is it that we should not show partiality? There's four reasons that I want to walk you through that James gives us as to why uh, we should not show partiality. But I'm jumping ahead. Let me back up real fast. Verses two through four. In case you're left wondering what is partiality, James gives us a, a great illustration here. He says, let me explain to you what this looks like. So in verse two, he says, if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So James doesn't leave any, any unclarity here. He says, hey, if you don't really understand what partiality is, I'm just going to give you a, an example because that always helps us out. And so here's what partiality is. Partiality is making distinctions based on outward appearances or maybe an assumption of what you, you think you already know about somebody. So in this context, we've, James is already in chapter one, he's already talked to us about the rich and the poor. And so in the context of James, in the time that he was writing, there was an issue with rich people and poor people. We still have that issue today. We actually have it in a broader context because now when um, we're talking about partiality, when we're making distinctions about people based on outward appearances, it covers the whole broad spectrum of anything. It can be ethnic differences. It can be socioeconomic, socioeconomic differences. It can be um, education differences. It can be um, just flat out income differences. It can just be personality differences. And what happens is James says, hey, the gospel of Jesus Christ unifies you around Jesus. And so all of those other differences fade away. And so you're left with a new family that Jesus actually says is stronger than biological ties, the family of Christ. It's so strong. But what happens is there's this gathering of people that have 
um, in, in our eyes or the eyes of the world have these crazy differences, but we're unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so James goes, hey, there's going to be a problem here. He gets it. And there is. We, have, we, we make distinctions based on outward appearances or we make distinctions based on what we think we know about somebody. Maybe you don't jive with a certain personality and so you don't really want to hang out with that person. You don't really want to respect or honor that person. You'd rather hang out with the people that are most like you. It's kind of a natural tendency. And so what James is, James is not saying is that you can't hang out with people like you. You can't enjoy being around them. But he says the minute that you start drawing distinctions because you don't fit with them very well, we've got a problem. So let's look at the why. Why is it that we should not show partiality? What is so wrong with this? Let's look at um, verse 5. Um, Actually, let's jump on to verse 6 and 7. Well, I'm losing my place. Sorry. Partiality. Verse 5. Partiality is not in line with God's purpose. So from the Old Testament, we don't have time to get through all the verses, but from the Old Testament, God has chosen the poor to kind of thwart the ways of the world and show God's purposes in redeeming the world. And so we see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, the Beatitudes. Jesus is sharing kind of a little bit about um, how the world works. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so from the very beginning, God has had a purpose that um, he wants to use the people that he chooses so that his magnificent power is on display and the entire world knows, hey, it's not because of that awesome person right there that this is happening. It's because of God. Now, some of us um, think, well, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not, I may not be the coolest, but I'm not half bad. I I may not be the top person, but I mean, let's be honest, I'm kind of good looking. I am. Shaved my head and everything. I'm the cool kids. No, listen, um, this is going to hurt Sting just a little bit, so I won't direct it at you. I'll direct it at me, but well, you know how this works. Paul says something about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and following. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. <clears throat> Do you guys... I won't say it negative way. He's, Paul's saying it in a nice way. You weren't really wise. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Thanks, Paul. I feel real good about myself. So if you call yourself a believer, if you follow Jesus Christ, Paul is so nice and kind and says, hey, you know, you're really not all that great. God is using you because you're actually not that great. This is not a great self-help speech today. No, friends, what God wants to do is display his wonderful glory. It's his purpose that he receives glory, not you. And so what God does in and through you is awesome and magnificent, but don't think it's because you're awesome and magnificent. Think it's because God is awesome and magnificent. That's the same thing James is saying here in verse 5. He says, listen, my beloved brothers, God has chosen those who are poor in the world. 
He chooses us not because we're great, but because he's great. And so partiality is a problem because what it does is, is, is if you are showing partiality to somebody, towards somebody else, you're essentially elevating yourself and saying, you're not worth my time. You're not worth my energy. I've got better things to do. There's other people that I need to be with. And, God, and, and when we do that, James says, do you not get what God is doing? That God is saying, no, actually, I go after the poor and the oppressed. What did James just say pure religion is? What is genuine faith? Number two, partiality is not in line with clear thinking. It's not in line with clear thinking. I mean, listen to what, listen to what James says. He says in verse six, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? I call this Hollywood syndrome. So James is saying, hey, listen, the very people that you're showing favor towards, the ones that you're kind of pining after, so this rich man comes in and, and apparently in the assembly, the, the leaders or people were going, hey, hey, come, come, come sit next to me. Come here, right here. The place of honor. Come sit right here. Uh, you, you go over there. Yeah, you, you kind of smell. You don't look like me. You're, you're, you're not like me. You, you hold that kind of job. That's like the Hollywood syndrome. Our world is so infatuated with Hollywood celebrities that have you, have you seen those concerts or maybe you've watched the Oscars? Have you seen the people pining just to get a touch of a Hollywood celebrity and it's like gold was just placed in their hands? There's so much value there. Like, that's the person I want to be. I, I want to show honor and respect and I want to show favor to that person. While we have orphans and widows and all sorts of problems in this world, that people don't want to address, don't want to talk about. James says, partiality is a problem because it's not in line with clear thinking. For the people in this day, they, they just totally missed it. They were so infatuated with the rich person. Friends, we do the same thing. Sometimes we get so infatuated with that person that has the big title, the, all those little letters before or after their name. And so when that person walks in the room, we, we, we get blinders like a horse and we can't see anything else but that one person. And James says, that's not good thinking. In this context, the, the rich people were the ones that were causing all the oppression. Do you remember how James starts out? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Christians in this day were being persecuted and oppressed. And they're going back to those very people and saying, oh, come sit in the seat of dignity and honor. Partiality is not in line with clear thinking. Number three, partiality is not in line with God's law. Let's take a look at, at verse nine here. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law's transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Here's, here's the problem. Um, so far, we see that uh, partiality is not in line with God's purposes. Partiality is not in line with clear thinking. But there's still kind of a little bit of wiggle room for us, for most of us. In our minds, we kind of think, well, okay, I, I kind of get that, James. I kind of get that. But, you know, I'm sorry. I, I don't really want to be partial towards people. I don't want to show favor to the wrong people. But it's, 
I mean, how bad is that? Like, really? It's not that bad. I didn't kill anybody yet, or hopefully ever. I didn't commit adultery. Um, yeah, it's, it's not that bad. And James says, it is so bad. It is so bad that that very line of thinking is proof that you have a problem. And so he brings in the law and he says, if you break any part of the law, you're hold accountable to all of it. You know, it's not like grade school where if you make a 95% on the test, you're doing pretty good. You're okay. If you make 85, well, there's a bit more room for improvement, but you still pass. Maybe you make a 70. I still passed. I got through. God's law is not like that. There's no, I, I did most of it, so I'm pretty good. I got 70% right. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, maybe I didn't uh, really hold in high regard that person that is a little bit um, from a different economic status than I am. Um, and so, you know, even though I didn't really jive with them, I didn't kill anybody, so I'm okay in God, God's eyes. That whole balance system, like my good outweighs my bad, or I, I've, yeah, I've made a few mess ups. I get it, James, but James is saying, hey, guys, listen, I know where your mind is going to go, and, and, it, and I'm going to go there before you get there. And when you, where your mind gets there, I'm going to be standing right there, and I'm going to tell you guys, if you break any part of God's law, it's as if you've broken all of it. And so, um, but James, right before he says that in verse 8, he points us to um, what we learn in the Gospels. A uh, religious leader of the day approaches um, Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, um, can you basically summarize the law for me? And so, because the Old Testament is full of a lot of rules and guidelines. And so Jesus says, yes, I can do that for you. It's love God with everything that you have and love your neighbor. Ah, but the guy thinks there's a little wiggle room. Who's my neighbor? Define that word for me because if it's just the person next door, I'm okay because guess what? You're probably living next to somebody that's like you. So it's not that hard to love them. And Jesus then goes on to tell a story um, that brings to light the fact that everybody's your neighbor. And so the wiggle room we thought we had just now got wiped away by Jesus. And he goes, love your neighbor as yourself. Love everybody. Even those in the story, it's the person that is most unlike the storyteller. And so we're faced with this hard task of now I, I am being held accountable to love everybody, even those that are most unlike me. And James says, and if you can't do that, that's partiality. If you can't receive anybody into your home, picture your home. If you can't receive anybody into your home and show them dignity and honor and respect as being a part of God's creation, not because they're like you, not because you um, jive with them, but just because they are God's creation. If you can't do that, this is a hard part, friends. This is the weight that James is helping us feel. If you can't do that, you're sinning. It's not just a, you need to change a little bit. You need to modify. He's saying your very thinking has, has caused you to be an evil judge. Your very actions and behaviors show and are proof that you have broken the law of God and are facing judgment. That's heavy. That's heavy on me, friends. 
that if I can't receive everybody on equal status and show everybody the same honor and dignity and respect, whether they're like me or not like me, whether they behave the way I want them to behave or don't behave that way, if I can't um, show them honor and respect and dignity as a human being, as a creation, one of God's creatures, then I am a sinner. James doesn't, James doesn't withhold any punches, does he? He just lets that weight sit because it's important. And so that's the last part of the why, is partiality results in judgment on you and on me. If you, at the end of verse 11, if you do not commit adultery but do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. Verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Partiality results in judgment on you. We've seen this before. Jesus just said it in a little bit nicer way for us. Again, in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall reserve, receive mercy. But guys, take, flip that upside down. Blessed are the merciful, they'll receive mercy, but the unmerciful will not receive mercy. It's the same way as saying, if you don't show mercy, judgment is upon you. When we don't show mercy towards those who are most unlike us, when we don't show mercy to the orphan and the widow, those that are oppressed in our society, those that have, are lacking a voice in this world, if when we don't show mercy to them, the judgment that is sitting on our shoulders, that James lets it sit here so far, is that we are sinning. Because that is not the way of God. That is not his purpose. That's not his plan. That's not the world, that, the system that he set up. That's not what he's called us to as believers. He didn't say, live your life with the people that you like to. Stick, it, stick together with those that you're most like. He says, no, believers, you've been shown mercy. Likewise, go and show mercy. So friends, that's the better way as we wrap up today. James shows us a better way, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. This is the gospel demonstration. And so all along, James has been very concerned with, if you have genuine faith, if you profess to follow Jesus Christ, if you say that he's your savior, he saved you from something. If you say that he's your master, if you say that you're living a life of obedience to him, your life is going to look different than the world. The very preceding verse at the end of chapter one, one uh, chapter one, verse 27, where it's talking about what pure religion is, the very end of, of that verse, did you catch it? It says, and keep on keeping on was Ryan's point, remain unstained from this world. The stain of this world will, be, will mark you as a partial person, will mark you as a person who says, no, you show favoritism, it's cool. Get in with the big dogs, get in with the cool kids, get in with those that have it all together. Don't worry about everybody else. They have their chance. Those that are uh, poor and oppressed, don't worry. They made that decision for themselves. They're the ones that can get them out of that. You don't have any responsibility towards them. That's the stain of the world, friends. But James says, no, there's a better way. It's the royal law of love. The royal law of love that says, love your neighbor as yourself. Where Jesus comes in and he says, 
if you follow me, we're going to turn this whole thing upside down. We're going to do things different. We're going to take care of those that are poor and oppressed. Do you know that in the Old Testament, when, Jesus, uh, when God calls the nation of Israel and says, you're going to be my people, and I'm going to show you how to order your life so that every other nation on the planet Earth will know that I'm God because I'm going to show you how to order life different. If you were a farmer... You could only farm maybe 90% of your field and the other 10% you intentionally left behind for those who had nothing to come and get something to eat. How would you like that? Let me put it in today's term. You get a paycheck from your company, wherever you work, whether you think it's a lot or you think it's a little, you get a paycheck. What if you took 90% of that and kept it and 10% you just left it on your doorstop for whoever walking by needed some money that day? I don't want to work that into my budget. 10%, I'm just going to leave it out there for somebody. I don't even get to pick who comes and gets it. Whoever needs it, come and get it. That's what it would be like. That's how God, from the very beginning, said, we're going to do things different. And so Jesus just echoes that, and he puts it in this, this phrase of love your neighbor as yourself. As believers, we have a responsibility to those in this world um, that are poor and oppressed. We have a responsibility to that person that you just really don't care for because they look a little funny. They dress different from you. They're in a different pay bracket than you are. And here's the thing. We're focusing on the downward look, but let me raise it both ways. It doesn't matter where you are in life. You look to that rich, wealthy person and you say they they are due honor, dignity, and respect if they make 10 times your income. The person who has absolutely nothing, living on the streets, they are due honor, dignity, and respect. It doesn't matter which way you're looking, friends. Most of us, probably somewhere in the middle. But it doesn't matter which way you look. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor is even the person that is the most different than you. Um, let's look at the very end. This, is, this has been uh, kind of a heavy weight, okay? James, James isn't going isn't gonna to let us off easy because there's no need to get off under your own willpower. There's no need to get off under, I'm just going to be a better person. James says, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take the gospel. I'm going to let it stretch a banner over your life where you look at what the gospel message says, the good news about Jesus Christ, about Jesus as the royal law of love, love your neighbor as yourself. And we're all going to look at that today. And, I, and if you're honest with yourself, you're going to look at that royal law of love and you're going to know, I didn't get there. There's somebody in your life that you are not loving. There's somebody in your life, whether a close friend or a distant enemy, that you are not loving. You show preferential treatment to anybody else who comes in the room other than that one person. And we're looking at that going, oh, that's heavy. And James comes in at the very end and he goes, but it's okay. And here's why. Not because you're going to do it better next time. But because the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ is going to transform your life. And so the love that you don't have in you to show to anybody or that one person, that love that you're lacking, 
has been supplied by Jesus Christ. So here it is, friends. The end of verse 13 says, right after for judgment is without mercy to those who has shown no mercy, we are feeling the weight of judgment today. And it's heavy. And James comes in and says, mercy triumphs over judgment. That mercy is not yours. That's the mercy of our King Savior, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross because he knew we wouldn't be loving enough. He knew we would see people and say, I do not want to be around that person. Or he knew we would see somebody and be so pining towards that person that we want to show them favor, that we would dismiss other people that aren't like us. We would dismiss other people that, that are, are just weird. And say, oh, come sit next to me. And Jesus says, I died for that sin too. And sin it is. It's not just a random thought that you can justify and say it's not that big a deal. It is the deal. Because Jesus didn't look at the world and say, oh, I like that lifestyle. That paycheck's pretty good. I can get some of that in my church. I like his clothes. That's a good looking gal right there. She's a great mom. Look at that dad loving his kids well. Those are mine. Come sit next to me. The rest of y'all go. Jesus says, you are my creation and I love you so much that I'm going to give my life for yours. This is our great hope, friends that the weight of judgment that we feel bearing down on us is triumphed by mercy. So we don't face that judgment. We face mercy. The mercy of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this day that you have given to us. Thank you for James that doesn't make his message easy. Because he's diving deep to the very point at which sin exists and says, that is sin. But then he picks our eyes up and points us to you, Jesus, and says, but there there is mercy. Mercy to triumph over the judgment that we should face. So God, in these next moments, Spirit, would you infuse us with mercy? Would we feel the reprieve of mercy that that judgment has been bearing down on us, but reprieve is found in the mercy of Jesus Christ? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.